The information contained in this podcast is general in nature and is not to be taken as financial or personal advice. It does not consider your objectives, financial situation or needs. You should consider whether this information is suitable for you and your personal circumstances before acting on it. Hi, and welcome to The Home Run, your guide to buying your first home in Australia. On this show, I'll walk you through the home buying process from every angle. We cover the steps to take, the pitfalls to avoid, and the answers to all your questions you've been dying to ask. No matter what stage you're at, you'll learn everything you need to know about buying your first home. I'm your host, Michael Nasser, and I'm a mortgage broker at Lens Street. And I really love helping people buy their first home. Today, we're chatting with Jade Fitzgerald. Jade is the principal and owner of Ideal Buyers Agency in Brisbane. Ideal Buyers Agency is for people lost in the home buying process. Jade works closely with first home buyers to cut through the confusion and help them find their home whether it's to live in or as an investment property purchase. In this episode, Jade will share why she's passionate about helping people find their home and what the buying process looks like when you can't look at a property yourself. She'll also break down what the Forgotten Women's Project is and why it's so important. Let's jump in. Jade, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. The first thing I like to do with podcasts like these and our podcast is to get to know you. So in your own words, can you explain what do you do? I'm a buyer's agent with my own business in Brisbane, which I started nearly two and a half years ago now on my own. I was working for one of the top buyer's agents in Brisbane for a while, but decided that I wanted to be out on my own. And so I specialize in helping people buy their forever homes but also a lot of investment properties and things like that. Lots of people don't know what a buyer's agent does or thinks that we're super expensive. I like to go against mould and help as many people as I can. And mostly my greatest love is first homeowners. So I really specialise in helping first homeowners and that's my love and that's what gets me out of bed every day. I know you mentioned first home buyers. What is it about the first home buyers that makes you so passionate about them? Going from my own experience within the process, I was a late bloomer, if you'd like to call it that, in the property buying myself. And I realized that even throughout the process myself that I actually didn't have a brass razu as to what's going on, how does it work. I did it in the middle of COVID. We actually purchased in a separate state. And I guess I kind of got to a point where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Why would I assume that I'm going to spend the most money I'm ever going to spend in my life and know how to do it or what I'm doing? So I had actually engaged a buyer's agent myself to buy my first property. And I learned a lot throughout the process. I was very lucky to have a great buyer's agent. But at the same time, I couldn't believe that everyone was out there doing it on their own trying to figure out contracting, offers, building pests, like all of these different things. And I guess you go to professionals to get help when you're going to the doctors or whatever, or getting your car fixed or any of these sorts of things. You don't just take it to Joe Blow down the street or pop into mum and dad and ask them a question and walk away and think, oh, well, I've got the answers to everything. So for me, I think it's, about learning all of those sorts of things along the process. But then now that I'm in the position I'm in, I love sharing the knowledge with everyone. I specialize in 
helping first homeowners and being very generous with the information that I have and the time that I have. I think if people have got to a point where they have saved enough money to get a deposit for a house, and then if they've gone and they've educated themselves enough to speak to a broker, number one, in the first step above all else, yeah, there's lots that needs to be learned. Like they are, they are absolutely quintessential first steps. But after that, where do you start? What do you look at? Where do you go from there? I think at the moment we're also seeing sort of a lot within the market where people are not necessarily getting enough of a home loan to live where they are now. And so there needs to be a bit more of a shift and a look at thinking a bit outside the box of where do you buy? What do you buy? And potentially it may not be something that you live in yourself. So I know rent vesting is sort of seems to be a new word that's being bantied around, but it's quite a good one. And I think self-explanatory really that trying to get people to understand that we've got multiple options in front of us. What do they look like? Where do you buy? And what does that look like for your future? Those are the sorts of things that I just. And I guess that the two take-homes of the taken from what you've just mentioned there is obviously the journey is the first home buyer. You kind of don't know what you don't know at the beginning of it all. And, and having experienced it yourself and helping others through it, you've seen that road before and you don't know what you don't know. And so pairing with somebody or getting the assistance from someone is obviously critical, I believe, and something that I'm passionate about too, obviously, which is, you know, the mechanisms of this podcast, which is trying to educate first home buyers as much as we possibly can about that because it is a lot we can take off a little bit more than we can chew potentially in this instance and having that support is is critical so totally get what you're doing in that regard and then as you've mentioned towards the end the rent vesting side of things and this is a concept which is starting to i guess really take form because of reduced borrowing capacities over the last 12 13 14 months the amount of times the interest rate has gone up has affected borrowing capacity so people aren't able to buy necessarily where they want to buy, but they want to get into the market. And I guess that leaves them in a situation as to buying where they may not live or where they may not normally reside or want to reside. And then, you know, that leads into that particular space there. So, which forms a little bit of what we're going to talk about in depth today, which is buying a property without seeing it. And that's something that you have had experience with having relocated from New South Wales to Queensland in the pandemic. So it was also throwing that. It's hard enough to move in your own right, but you picked a pretty exciting time to do it as well in the crux of COVID. So you did move to a home without being able to say it. Can you explain that experience? What was it like? The whole experience of the pandemic beside itself was kind of revolting and scary and I'd been actually living in the Middle East for the seven years prior and went back to Sydney like nine months really before it kind of all kicked off. And I was from Sydney and I'm a bit of a Sydney girl and I have a Moroccan husband that I brought back with me. But when the pandemic hit, we were in a two-bedroom apartment. We'd been already looking in Sydney and like, as I say, it was in my head, yeah, we'll buy an apartment in Sydney and that's our life for now and that kind of thing. And we were living in an apartment where you literally couldn't see the sky unless you sat on the balcony and just it was big block. And I don't know, Brisbane is where we have purchased and it was always on our cards sort of as a long-term vision that this would be sort of like retirement, I guess. But yeah, it was really my husband actually who started looking in Brisbane and was he'd been here for four days in his lifetime, but 
we sort of knew that this was the lifestyle more and you don't know what was happening in the future. And I think at the time, the pandemic made a lot of people, including us, really reevaluate your life and what's important to you and what direction you want to be in and like, where are you now and how long do you wait till you start living the best life that you want? And then once we started looking, so the property boom really hadn't taken off yet. So we were sort of able to look and jump online, which of course you think is the first step, right? You jump onto realestate.com. Well, actually domain, if you're in New South Wales, not Mm-hmm. that no one in Queensland really uses domain. We all use realestate.com. But yeah, we were looking at property and like the price difference and what we could get. And we were like, uh, well, what are we doing in Sydney? And I had a great job and my husband's a chef. So we were in and out of work with him as soon as the pandemic kind of hit. And we had a really great connection with a friend who put us in touch with a buyer's agent. And from there, like I didn't even know we needed a mortgage broker, to be honest. I've got a deposit get a loan. It was interesting, the whole process. We had to go through hotel quarantine, the whole lot. It was, we had cats, we drip. It was pretty crazy. But engaging someone who could act on our behalf and literally it was invaluable sort of having him being able to take us through everything and was very kind and generous in knowledge sharing there as well. I mean, it is definitely a service that you pay for. It is a premium service, particularly when you're buying a permanent place of residence, PPR as we like to call them. It is a lot more involved potentially than an investment property. And I know that myself, but yeah, it was very full on. I'm still very proud of my husband and I being so brave. Luckily, where we did purchase and what it looks like now, we have done very well from a investment in our own property. Not that that's why we bought it. We fell in love with the property itself. But in saying that, every single time I buy for a family who it is their forever home and I am the only person that's seen it and they either get off an aeroplane or even sometimes they're just living in Melbourne and Sydney and they don't even fly up and see it and they just simply take my recommendation or, you know, I'm all about the vibe of the property in the space. I still, it still blows my mind that it happens. Yeah. And even mine, to be fair, like to, to think that people will consider buying something without looking at it. I guess that definitely highlights the need of having a professional on your side when you're doing something like that. It just wouldn't be possible if you didn't have somebody on the ground in that particular area to at least guide you and advise you as to what it was that you were getting yourself into. I think people really forget more than anything that the selling agents are selling agents. They represent the vendor and the seller, and I think they do a great job. When you're selling, you want a really great people on your side. But I think when people are looking at buying and they're particularly if they're not boots on the ground themselves and aren't able to see the property themselves, relying on just the sales side of it is fraught with danger. What advice do you have for some people who are looking to purchase a property in a location they don't live in or cannot easily visit? I guess the most important thing is with that is make sure that you've got a team on the ground that's going to be able to support you. For me, I find the most important people in the equation post-purchase is the property managers. But if you can start engaging people from the outset, 
they're running a business, obviously, themselves. And they want your business after you've purchased a property. So you've gone through and if we're assuming that you've got your whole team behind you, you've got your mortgage broker, you've potentially engaged buyer's agent, they will have done most of this for you. But if you're not using a buyer's agent and you're doing it on your own, remember that the selling agents are there to sell you the property. And what you need is to start building the team on the ground that will start managing and looking after the property for you once it's purchased. They will do things nine times out of ten, like go and have a look at the property for you before you purchase. They will do a pre-settlement inspection, which is a really important step in the process as you maneuver through the purchasing process as well. And they'll also start giving you things like your rental appraisals, which are really important to get on letterhead from agents that are on the ground in the area as well. They would be my number one sort of steps, I guess, sort of getting to that point. I think you can use all of the data-led and they're brilliant tools, don't get me wrong, and we've got more and more of them hitting the market, but they're still only as good as the data that's been put into them and you cannot, and I know AI is this wonderful thing that's hit the world and all of this new technology is great, but cannot beat people with boots on the ground who are in the trenches daily and are going to be representing you as the owner and now also a landlord if you go down that path. If you are buying for yourself, it's a different conversation and you're going to live in it yourself. I think there's some different things to do. But if you are not going to live in it, that would be my number one steps. The one thing that I took home from what you said was you got to run it like a business. If rent vesting as a first home buyer, obviously this is then the rent vesting scenario. You know, so you're going to buy a property, you're not going to live in it, you're going to rent it out, you're going to be effectively starting another business, and that's how you need to treat it. And like with any good business, you need good people and people that know what they're doing. So uh, I yeah totally resonated with that comment and can see how that would make sense, especially if you're not seeing the property. So can you share a story of someone that you've helped to buy a property without seeing it? What did it look like? What should it look like? And how did it go? And a bit of a case study, if you will. I guess I'll stick with first homeowners, to be honest. When we're staying on this sort of rent vesting kind of path, I mean, even currently, I've got a couple of clients that I'm working with. And I think people think that you need to have this huge investment, especially if you're in Sydney and Melbourne, that whole thought of buying property is actually so overwhelming because of the price points that are within those areas. But I have some amazingly smart, brave humans at the moment who I am helping, and they've got a pre-approval anywhere between that 350 and 500 mark, which is really attainable and doable for people. the right people to help you in that process. Talk to a mortgage broker. Can't be more clear about it. Talk to a mortgage broker. Start today. Once you start figuring that out and then you go, oh, okay, Dave, well, I've got a, let's say you've got a pre-approval for 400000 I'm immediately going, great, you live in Sydney or you live in Melbourne, you live in Tasmania, forget about it. You know, like it's not just the whole Sydney and Melbourne situation, but even in Brisbane, to be honest, are you going to be able to find something to live in for yourself if that's where your home base is? potentially no. Can we look at buying you something that is in a growth area, which is a whole other conversation, happy to have, but somewhere like 
Rockhampton, Bundaberg, those sorts of places at the moment, hot tip for those that are listening. Yes, you can buy a great, sometimes you know, three bedroom, one bathroom. Sometimes I can even find a four bedroom, two bathroom. And they will rent out beautifully. We've got good infrastructure going into these places. You look for things like new schools, hospitals, roads, transport. And then, yeah, are you personally going to go and live there? No. It's kind of challenging for some people in a lot of ways to think about the whole thing that they're never going to see the property themselves. So I spent a lot of time holding the hand of my beautiful clients through that process because it is really full on. You're like, well, wait, you're going to buy a place and I may never see it. I'm like, you may never even do a drive-by. But you are now a rent investor. You are going to own an investment property. You're going to hold your hand the whole way through the process. It's going to sit there earning and building growth. And hopefully it's got a really good yield for you. With yield is another thing that gets bandied around and people don't really understand what is yield, net yield, net growth, all of that sort of stuff. Yield growth and growth, sorry. So it's a really interesting kind of path to go down and there's a lot of education that needs to go behind it. Lots of people still they can buy a property like that, rent it out, and there'll be no costs for them. That is the greatest myth on the face of the planet. <laughs> Every property has costs behind it. You need to pay someone to manage it for you. To pay for and make sure that you have some money in for maintenance. There will generally always be a small, slight gap between what the rental yield is, so the rental amount is that you're going to make, and what your mortgage repayments are. And at the moment, as we all know, we're seeing fluctuations within our interest rates. So sometimes you might need to have even a little buffer there for you. The whole idea is to make sure that that amount of money that you're paying on top of is manageable for you, but the property is going to see growth into the future and it will it will see you on the property ladder before you know it. And then you've got equity in the property. And you can start thinking about other. I guess one of my biggest things is I really love helping women, especially. Sorry, fellas. I know you all do too. But for me, women do not speak about finances or purchasing or any of these things enough. The most terrifying statistic that we have in Australia is women over the age of 55 are our fastest growing homeless population. And I do a lot where I can there to try and help and educate on that level as well. I think the exception with property in general is it's really expensive and you can't afford it and options aren't explored. And I think there's a whole wealth of people like yourself who are out there trying to share the information. Yeah. It's on the ground, real life information, not for me, mum and dad. Not from your auntie's cousin's brother's sister who bought, you know, mm. even five years ago. I mean, unless your your mother or father happened to be a buyer's agent, in well, which case <laughs> maybe the, you, you can tick both boxes in that instance. But in essence, it's it's the professional aspect and the professional approach to the purchase process, especially when you're not seeing it 
something you've mentioned and I was going to touch on and we're definitely, you know, a bit of a shift from, I guess, the not inspecting the property, not seeing. And something we've spoken to some people about recently is this alarm statistic about Australian women retiring into poverty. You've mentioned it already. You're involved with the Forgotten Women Project, which aims to provide safe, affordable housing to 40,000 women over the age of 55 in Queensland, you know, who are currently facing homelessness. How did you get involved with that? And can you tell us a little bit more about the organisation? Oh, look, it's just so amazing. And I, honestly, if it's the smallest thing I can do, then, yeah, amazing organisation that is actually based and run out of the suburb that I live in, which I didn't even know at the time. Wow. But I had watched a program on ABC and it was called The Forgotten. And oh, it made me upset thinking about it. Mm. The amount of stories of women who we know at the end of the day, we earn less money. Take time off work on top of that to raise children, earning even less money. The statistics in regards to separation, divorce, all of those sorts of things are not skewed in our favour either. So you can end up with this snowballing, rapid descent into, oh, I no longer have a family home ever did have one in the first place to now also being in the fact that you're in your 50s and it's like even getting a rental becomes tricky but particularly getting a mortgage can become very challenging. I think there's a lot of government schemes out there as well and I am not even going to try and touch on these but that's where people like you are vital in the equation of looking at what's available for people. If you've got dependent children, if you're of a certain age bracket, there are different kind of schemes that you can be involved in. Also, even the first homeowners, I think people don't really realise that you can you don't have to live in them all the time. Like there are different ways of getting into the market. And I think the most important thing at the moment is that these women are not old. They're not retired. They have nowhere to live. And for me, I am one of those statistics. I was one job away from potentially not having somewhere to live. If I met my partner, would have I had that joint income? I am from Sydney. It's a lot of single women in Sydney. I think the rating is still five to one. I've got an amazing bunch of super professional, amazing women in my life who have not got on the property ladder, are hitting their mid-40s. It's starting to get punk time and we still don't want to have these conversations with each other more than anything. And I think that's something that's just super important. We've got to talk mm. about it. Where are you financially? And maybe you need that new handbag or do we need to open you a fund? <laughs> yeah. to think about your future. And, I mean, my whole thing is at the moment is if it all goes tits up and you buy yourself a rent investment property and you've lost a job and all that kind of stuff, can you then sit there and go, I've actually still got somewhere I can be? But it gives you an option. Absolutely. The amount of people that I'm seeing at the moment saying things like, oh, well, I'm just going to buy a caravan. Uh I went and slept in my car for one night with the Forgotten Women. They run a charity event every year where you sleep in your car and you raise money for, for obviously, the charity. One night. And I cannot tell you how to run it. We were with a whole bunch of other people all doing it at the same time. 
the thought of driving around back streets trying to find yourself somewhere safe and secure to live, we're Australian, mate. I think there's a whole lot there to unpack, and yes, it is something I'm super passionate about, and I'm going to talk about for hours. Yeah. What other things do you think can be done to help with this issue, I guess, from your experience? Education. More than anything, education. And exactly kind of what you're doing now, more than anything. Free, accessible advice that can point people in the right direction as to where and how they can progress onto a property ladder. I think we need to get people to really start thinking outside the box of what a traditional purchase of a property looks like. Because we're all living in the, and it changes daily. Like, Mm -hmm. what does the future look like for us all? You know, we're heading into overpopulated cities. It's going to be interesting to see how that goes. And it's all over the media at the moment, which does get beaten up a lot. I won't Mm -hmm. go there. But we have a shortage of houses as it is. But we need to start thinking a little bit outside the box. So what does that look like for you? Does it mean that, yeah, you're not going to, your first home isn't going to be a four bedroom with a pool in the backyard and room to swing a cat? It could be a one bedroom in a suburb that you have to travel a little bit further for work or in a whole other area that you're not even going to live in, but you're at least got somewhere on the earth that's yours. It is all about education and being brave and I even find people are scared to even pick up the phone to people like you and start talking about finances. People seem to think, oh, it'll, it'll affect my credit rating. Where does oh. get that information from? Well, misinformation, I guess, more than anything. So, yeah. And it's something that we obviously get asked all the time. There seems to be a fear of the credit, which is good that they've got knowledge about it. But I guess how is it directly affecting you or not? And what does that mean for you going forward with presenting some options to you? You tend to find the people that are a bit worried about it are probably worried about it for a particular reason, which is not a wrong thing or a right thing. But yeah, obviously, when you speak to a broker and anything that a broker does, a broker never touches your credit file. They basically get a snapshot to look at it for the purposes of the home loan. And they do that not because they want to find out anything. It's just that if they do, then it might determine which lender we might place the deal with. And it's done more as an assistance, more than trying to pick up or dig out something that there's going to be hidden because the bank will find it eventually or the lender will find it eventually. So if we're proactive about it and we can mitigate it, then it just increases our chances of an approval. So that's an interesting point there that you've mentioned. Well, until that sort of stage has got to, you know, everything I'm talking about or any education on like buying somewhere regionally or what have you, it's sort of a moot point. I don't know. I've never been one myself with my finances, do not get me wrong. Um, I think you're the majority of people there. But I just think there's this fear around it that needs to be misbusted the whole way through as well. And ask questions. Don't, and I keep harping on about, don't listen to your mums and dads. Back in the day, they will have gone to a bank. They will have known the bank manager. They would have been able to walk in the door and go, g'day, Bob, how are you going, blah, blah, blah. Those days are so well and truly over. I mean, I don't even remember the last time I went into a bank. Days of that are just so over. And I think really it's that education piece about learning where you're at financially now. And then even if you're not there right now, and it might be a 12 or 24-month plan, but the plan has to start. And it has to start from somewhere. There's lots of people that are sitting in the waiting room and they're waiting for the mum and dad or they're waiting for the grandparents to pop off and there comes their inheritance or uh-huh. family home or whatever that they can get access to. But 
don't know what's going to happen between now and then. Yeah. Your own plan, yeah, I like that. And I guess it comes back down to the fact that knowledge is power ultimately, and that's the education piece as well. So, and obviously with that education, it, it does empower you, which is I think for women as well, and and for men, it's it's you've got to empower yourself. No one's going to do it for you, and it's about sort of knowing what's possible and how to achieve, you know, what your goals are. But you've got to find out what they are for yourself, and then obviously embark on that journey with the right people that can help you get there. We always wrap up by asking two questions. The first of those two questions is, what is your number one tip for a first home buyer who's trying to get into the market? Honestly, my number one tip for everybody talks about mortgage broker. Make yeah. sure that that person as well is start thinking about this as you are building a team of support behind you. There is many people and many touch points that you will need throughout the buying process. And there are things like conveyances. There are mortgage brokers. There are building and pest inspectors. There are all of these different people, potentially, hopefully, a buyer's aid. Yeah. Some tax agents too, if you're doing some rest, some tax advice. There are multiple people. So my thing is, is to figure out what are all the people that you're going to need in your purchase and then start interviewing people. Don't wait to the last minute until you've actually already kind of, you've got the house and then you're like, oh, crap, I need a building and pest inspection done. Who do I use? Where do I go through? You know, start looking at all of those things. Get out there and start looking around and get into homes. I think it's really interesting when I watch people going in and out of homes for inspections. I look at every home really differently, obviously. I am looking for, yes, wear and tear. doesn't really say paint stuff. I like to call it prosthetics, like uh, makeup on a property, you know, paint can be paint. But when you're in a place and you're looking at it, look at the street, where is it? What does it sound like? What kind of cars are there? What are the neighbours' gardens like? All of those sorts of things. You've got to figure out what it is that you're buying for and how you want to live yourself. If it's for rent, best, yeah. don't even worry about those things. Makes sense. And, and that, they're awesome. Honey. There's a heap of gold in that. So in terms of little things like, like looking at identifying the neighbours' gardens, like it's not something I would think about at first instance, but it totally makes sense as to why that could give you some insights as well. So I, I think, Definitely lots of gold in that. Support things and yeah. You can look from the satellite view. It is good to scope out the hood, right? Mm, mm. As far as you can. You can, I mean, I literally just almost bought a property for a gorgeous client and then I went back and I, I go back multiple times and I'm looking and I was like, this this property behind this, that where we were buying, it was full with crap. And I was like, that has and I went and did a drive-by for me, sure enough, and I, put, I pulled this out straight away. No one wants to live with order on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no. Really important, you know. All right, and the second question that I've got is, if you could go back with the knowledge that you have now, before you made your first home purchase, what do you wish you could tell yourself at that particular point based on what you know now before you bought your first home? I know now that I potentially would have a lot more property than I currently have because I would have started. I would have been more aware that I was I was in a position to be able to purchase and that my first home didn't be with me to be the one that I was going to live with. It really entered my brain thought and my 
writing parameters, I guess. And yes, mine would be be brave, start talking to people straight away and figure out where you're at and what you need to be able to get in. Because once you get that first one, the equity that's in there and the growth that you'll see, it, it will now then take your future. And I think also as well, like when you say first homeowners, people seem to think that it's all you young people. We're in our late 30s, early 40s. I think the people that I'm helping at the moment, which sometimes really can drive me up the wall, they're in their early 20s, 100%. They are living at home with mum and dad still. They are getting that mortgage and they are buying and they are rent investing and they are the people that are buying in these crazy little, not crazy pounds because they've still got to be growth and, and value there. But, you know, like they're being brave. They're thinking outside the box. They are building generational wealth for themselves by starting small, keeping away. And being consistent and thinking of, of the long-term game, I think. And that's sort of part of that strategy, the component that you've got to begin with. And starting sooner, I think, is something that a lot of people probably always say, I wish I did this earlier. So that's a great tip, yeah, I think. And that will resonate with a lot of people. And, and I guess for the younger listeners, if you have that opportunity, find out what you can do and, and get a move on, I think. Because long-term, you definitely won't regret it, especially if it's property. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Jade. I really appreciate it. If anyone wants to get in touch with you, either yourself or if they want to get in touch with the Forgotten Women Project, how do they do that? Idealbuyersagency.com. I am always available and happy to have a chat as well. You'll find my phone number and email on there as well. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone and have a free, no obligations chat. I love talking property and all things property and I can't tell I'm, I'm always on for a chat and always happy to help out wherever as well. I also have a special rate for first homeowners that I charge. Okay. And obviously, I'm happy to offer a discount from anyone that's heard from the home run today, a further 5% off my fee that's there as well. But I think at the moment, I've literally just finished purchasing an apartment for a gorgeous young client. She was literally having her pre approval, was going to run out in three weeks Mm -hmm. and it was like you need to talk to jade (laughs) like you need to talk to her right now and she'd already bought the house actually and the building and pest inspector had gone through and said "Uh -uh, don't buy this this is bad so she was in full freak out i guess my average turnaround time is about 21 days for purchasing and it's because i'm a professional buyer it's what i do every day you have to finger on the pulse and yeah, so I'm, as I say, happy to have a chat and yeah. I think it's a stupid question. There are no stupid questions, only stupid people. Absolutely. And no, I agree with that totally. And we'll have details of that information in our show notes too and details of that offer as well. So and that's awesome. And uh, if anyone's listening, I definitely encourage them to give Jade a call and take up that offer because that sounds fantastic. So, but once again, thanks Jade for coming on to the show. I appreciate all your insights and your tips. It's been great having you on. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to The Home Run, your guide for buying your first home in Australia. This podcast was produced by Lendstreet. Lendstreet is a mortgage broker and home loan specialist that helps first home buyers find the right loan to meet their needs. We know applying for a loan can be overwhelming and complex, so we help guide and support first home buyers through the process from start to finish. To find out more, head to our website, lendstreet.com.au. We've also put a link in the show notes. To make sure you don't miss an episode of The Home Run, be sure to subscribe to or follow the show in your podcast app. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review 
It really helps others find the show. I'm Michael Nasser, and we'll be back next episode covering another step on the journey to owning your first home.